I, I have certain parts of this that I don't remember. Probably just because I don't care to, not because of like suppressed trauma. I, yeah, I'm not one to really believe in that. So. Okay. And, and when you've been kidnapped, you would know if you believe in it. So. so this is the moment you get kidnapped. Hey, and thanks for coming back to Please Don't Tell Anyone. I'm Molly Clark, your host, and this is the podcast where you hear unexpected stories by ordinary people. I go in blind to all my interviews, only going off of the submission that was written in by the guests so that I can hear the story firsthand just like you. Fun, right? It's very cute. Thanks. Um, do you want to go on under an alias? Uh, you know, I think I'm okay. So you're okay being called Nancy? Yeah, for sure, Nancy. Okay, cool. Let's just making sure you're good with that. Nancy submitted something to my form that was completely different than what we talked about on your pre-screening call. And then when you brought up the topic for the pre-screening call, I was like, oh my god, let's do that topic. Wilderness. I would call them. Um, I believe they call them. You know, I should actually look up my phone. They're called wilderness programs, but I think there's a more specific name for them. Yeah, I think you may be right, but for wilderness treatment, it's not treatment. Yeah, it is a treat treatment. Wilderness treatment centers? Wilderness programs, recovery programs is kind of how I know it. There's a lot of different words they use to describe child abuse. Let's just put it that way. So when you said that that's something you've experienced... I really wanted to hear about it. I think it's important now. I want you to kind of talk about why it feels important now and why it resurfaced for you. So the few years after I came back from it, um, I was really affected by it in this sort of like deep way where I wanted to speak out about it. How old were you when you went? I was 16 years old. Okay. Um, And I'm just going to make the story short. I didn't like the curfew my parents were giving me. I was smoking pot and I... um, I was taking Adderall. I have severe ADD. And so I think they were having me speak to a therapist at a place and I tested positive for amphetamines. I think they thought I was like on meth or something. They didn't just realize that I was a depressed kid just trying to sit in class, couldn't do it. And um, I just like got it from a friend, you know, who didn't want it, you know. And um, my grades were always great. So basically I didn't like the curfew they gave me. I got into a big fight with them. I left. I was staying by a friend in the town over and I met them at like our local sort of like community um, country club. And I was like, you can bring me my cell phone charger. And instead I was met by, you know, the police and an ambulance who took me to a um, county psychiatric hospital and diagnosed me as... um, Bipolar, which is not something I have. I do have a refractory depression, but this was learned after the fact by a. Oh no, doctors. I've known I've been depressed for a long time. I have dysthymia. I'm very open about that and about getting treatment for that. And you know what it really means to have depression, not to be like, oh, I have anxiety and it's cool right now. Mm-hmm. But I am severely depressed, and it is something that but I. But you're deal not with. bipolar. I am not bipolar, and my joke is I've been waiting for the manic episode ever since they made that diagnosis <laughs> because looks like it would be a shit ton of fun. What a, like, to throw at a 16-year-old a misdiagnosis like that. They do it all the time. It's for their own convenience. So what they do in these hospitals is actually they put you on all of these really heavy 
um, medications. One is like Depakote. I'm forgetting the name of another one. They put you on these medications they, that make you gain like 40, 50 pounds. Um, Did you gain like 40, 50 pounds? No, I didn't take it. I cheaped oh. it and gave it to some other girl that wanted it. Oh, and you were like, no thanks. No, they make you like show your mouth, but I learned how to oh, not. Not swallow it? Yeah. Because it made me feel so crappy that forgetting the name of this medication, it's a terrible drug. But it's probably great for the people who need it. Mm -hmm. Like, there are medications that help people. And if you are bipolar and you get help, you can have a good life. And yeah. I don't want to say that... It's but you a, were being medicated for something that you didn't, didn't need. Have, right. And so... I, I just don't want to say it like it's a bad thing. No, like no, I no. Have a good, I, you know, we can find it after and I'll put it in at the uh, end. You know, I do disclaimer. have a good friend who is and, you know, her life has been saved by proper treatment. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's important to throw it out there. There's no such thing as a bad diagnosis. There's wrong diagnosis and there's lack and failure and failure to treat but mm -hmm. there is no such thing as having you know a mental illness that is should be stigmatized so you get to the you're at the country club thinking you're getting your charger though yeah and i get met by the uh ambulance they've you know are your parents there i don't remember i don't think so i actually don't remember so it was just strangers meeting you then to take you to i think they might have been there okay because i i have certain parts of this that i don't remember Probably just because I don't care to, not because of, like... Suppressed trauma? I, yeah, I'm not one to really believe in that. So. Okay. And, and when you've been kidnapped, you would know if you believe in it. So. so this is the moment you get kidnapped? So this is the moment I get taken to... At Nassau, I was living in Roslyn at the time. I get taken to something, a place called Nassau University Medical Center. It's actually attached to a prison. I did not know it at the time. And um, I was there for about two weeks. They There was some, like... Greasy, disgusting old man who decided that I was bipolar. He was the psychiatrist of the program, and at Nassau, and they told my parents that I was going to have to report into court, or they had this other option of sending me to this place. So I don't. And at the same time, my parents had also been meeting with people calling themselves educational consultants, and these people, you know, sell these programs. I, this is a whole huge industry. It's very important. This is a huge for-profit industry. This endeavor cost my parents over $50,000. The teen transport also cost like seven or $8,000. This is 15 years ago. I want to clarify, though. Are you saying that... It's really expensive. Wilderness treatment is an industry or rehab in general? Rehab in general, but wilderness in particular... Because I'm so interested... Is a huge industry. ...that those were the only two options that your parents were given. It wasn't like, let's send her to a residential facility in Connecticut. It was wilderness. Well, first they prep you for the residential facilities by breaking you down in these programs, okay. and then they choose a school for you mm. during that process, you know, because you're in such bad shape that you need to, like, reconnect with nature, quote-unquote. Yeah. So... So Greaseball says you're bipolar. Right. Um, and I'm in a place with, you know, that I'd never been in. I mean, the likes of prison. I mean, kids who are not like me. Um, I was a straight A student, you know, and I was just like a normal kid, like in high school. Smoking you weren't an addict in your mind. I, I mean, I don't know what that means. Addict. I was just like a normal kid, like smoking pot and drinking. Like I wasn't like even driving or in. I say that in that like, that like people I know have like overdosed before they go. There's been like an, an extreme incident that is the breaking point. Before. So I was actually not put in the addict program. I was put in the trauma program because okay. I didn't meet the qualifications. I believe. So there's also a track, there was a track for quote unquote trauma. And I would also like to mention that this happens to many more boys than it does to girls. Mm. 
there, I think, were like seven boys groups and only two girls groups. Wow. In the trauma program? In in this uh, wilderness program. It was called Second Nature um, Blue Ridge. They, they operate in a few states. Okay. And they're one of the more, quote unquote, reputable operators, which... We can get into, but that's clearly not the case. You know, there's nothing. There's nothing reputable about taking a teenager and bringing them into the middle of the woods and them only getting therapy once a week and leaving them with two people under the age of thirty. Yeah, it doesn't add up to me. But it it, it adds up money wise. It costs over five hundred dollars a day for this treatment. To essentially go camping and be abused and yeah. Okay. So you're at the hospital. How do you get to Wilder? How does that all go down? So basically what happens is I think I'm going home. I get into my parents' car. Doors swing open on both sides. These two huge Mormons come into the car, a man and a woman on either side. And um, they're like, you're coming with us. They bring me into this like uh, Mustang. And um, Are you yelling, mom, dad, like what the fuck is going on? It happens so quickly. Like... So quickly. They're like, you're going with them. They just, you know. And this is, I have to also say, this is very unlike my parents. My parents are good people. They they were completely duped. This industry is designed to trick the parents, too. There's a book that my mom read towards the end of it called Help at Any Cost about what happens in these programs. And that's why I was lucky enough not to end up in a residential treatment center. And I was back in school for the fall Hmm. and I didn't miss school and my life didn't get thrown off track. Mm -hmm. There are kids that die in wilderness programs. These programs run through the winter. No, I've heard friends who have gone, you know, their friends there have gotten like fingers numbed, hypothermia, had to be hella vacked out, cover themselves in shit to keep warm. Very bad. Very, very bad. Disgusting. Have your parents acknowledged that it was a bad move? They've more than acknowledged that it's a bad move. I don't think it's their fault. I think it's an industry designed to trick people who are in difficult situations, like other predatory industries. Um, I mean, there's tons of predatory industries in this country. We're going to fix your weight problem. Mm -hmm. You're going to grow more hair on your head. You're going to have the baby of your dreams, you know. Whatever it is that you could, you're, you're going to make more money. It's just a predatory industry. It's not special. Why the Mormons, though? So the, Because most of this stuff happens in Utah. Yeah, that's where I know it from. So most of it happens in Utah. So they have people actually flew out from Utah and met me by my parents' car. They took me actually to LaGuardia. And every time I passed the Dunkin' Donuts on the way to LaGuardia where I got the... Um, my one of my last meals um i remember that Hmm. and uh i hope they demolish that place one day um but were you like flailing or trying to make oh so when we were at the car rental place this was the best and this was actually to me the most fascinating part they had to carry me out of the car rental place because i was not i'm not a compliant person yeah so they had to carry me out of the car rental place like literally by my hands and feet i was not moving and nobody said a word at the car rental place? I'm saying this is in public in front of like I was going to say, how do people. you get through LaGuardia, be on an airplane, all of that? 20 or 30 people were silent while they saw somebody get carried out by people that were clearly not their parents, you know? But yeah, but that must happen. You're not the only person who's gone to Willard. That must happen all the time. Actually, from what I, you know, in the group I was in, most people were compliant and might have known it was happening. Okay. Um, 
because the situations between the parents and the children are so adversarial by that point, they're able to um, wedge themselves in mm -hmm. in a really interesting way. Like I said, it's predatory. Yeah. But that, that to me is one of the more interesting things that had happened was that I was carried out and nobody cared. People were watching though, but no one people, did anything. People were watching and nobody did anything. That, that, I believe that's the, I believe that's the murder of Kitty Genovese where, um, there were like hundreds of people that like heard something happening and everybody thought somebody else was going to do something. So nobody did anything. Yeah. The bystander effect or something the, like that. It is called the bystander effect. Yeah. So when things happen, do something, but moving along. So they take me there. We go to the airport. We get on the plane. We get to Georgia. At that point, once I saw that nobody was going to do anything, I felt like, screw it. This is what it's going to be. And I'm actually upset that I didn't put up more of a fight at the time. Not that it would have mattered. You know? Did you know when you were at LaGuardia, like, that you were going to Georgia? Like, you started to put together, okay, we're No, I had no idea what these programs were. This was, you know... Every step was a blindside. I knew I was going... I had no idea what was going on, you know? I mean, when you get effectively kidnapped, you have no idea. They tell you that they're not going to tell you where you're going. And when you're in the woods the entire time, you're not allowed a mirror, you're not allowed to know the time of day, and you're not allowed to know where in the woods you are. How can that be beneficial? What's their argument for how it's beneficial? They make a living. Yeah, but what's their pitch to the parents? This will work because... You know, it's your bad relationship with your children. We're going to fix them. We're going to set them straight. It's going to be tough love and... We really care and we're going to... Getting back to nature is also... But it's basically like we're going to set them straight. Like okay. you're not going to be tough enough and we're going to set them straight for you. We're going to... You're going to pay this problem away. Something you cannot do in life. So you get to Georgia. I get to Georgia. Um, and they drive me like three hours out into the Blue Ridge Mountains. And being from New York, I'd never been to a place like this. You know, I'd only been to... Like, you know, Miami, mm -hmm. <laughs> a couple of other, you know, places for Passover programs, yeah. like, but never been to like the middle of the country, like yeah. at all, you know, been up and down the East Coast, but that's totally different. Totally different. Um, I'd never been to like a rural part of Inland America. Appalachia. This is exactly, this yeah. is Appalachia. Like, mm -hmm. like, it was the first time I'd seen a Waffle House in my whole life. I mm -hmm. never went in, but, and I've never been in still, but. You know, these are like scary looking places. Mm -hmm. um, destitute, depressed economy. Um, yeah, you can drive through whole towns in, you know, the Blue Ridge Mountains or Appalachia area and it just be abandoned. Yep. Me and my husband actually drove the country twice yeah. during uh, the pandemic. Yeah, once we, we went all once. the way south, all the way across the southern corridor, like through Tennessee, we and so we've seen most states together at this mm -hmm. point. It's amazing. And when we were in Arkansas, we were scared to death and we just kept driving mm -hmm. until we hit, um, we drove basically from Tennessee all the way to Texas, fell asleep in the car and didn't really stop until we got to Santa Fe mm -hmm. because some of these places are just not places to be. No. They're just not places to be, especially if you don't look like you're from there. Bizarre. Yeah. Okay, so you drive three... Three hours. and a half hours from the airport, we get to this place, they strip search me. Cavities too? Yeah, like coffin squat. They took away a book that my grandmother had given me while I was in the hospital. She was very upset about the whole thing. 
because she knows better. You know, mm -hmm. she knew better. Um, and uh, I was very angry about that. Like, why is a book a problem? Like, why is this, like, you know, normal book for my grandmother a problem that I should have a memento? But they wanted to strip you of your entire identity. It wasn't just things that they thought could be weaponized. Weaponized drugs. It wasn't just that. It was, they, they wanted you to become indoctrinated. Wow. How'd you know they were Mormon when you got there? Or is this after well, the, the well, when I was in this program in, App, in Appalachia, mm -hmm. like in, in Blue Ridge, there, Georgia. these people weren't Mormon there. Okay. Just the teen transport were Mormon. Okay. They told me they were Mormon. But they weren't what you would expect from Mormon people. They looked sort of normal, but like they were from, I mean, they were heavy, to say the least. You know, they looked like... Big Mormons? Yeah, like that woman was big. And not in like, you know, like, just like... People that look like they could kill you. Yeah. And then go to the Waffle House. And yeah, I don't even know. This is like out of my, this is out of my milieu. Mm -hmm. um, so they strip search me. I get there. Um, they put me in a group. Oh, they re-outfit you with, you know, all clothes and uniform, you know, uniform pack. And then they separate you from the group for about three or four days. You have to earn your mm -hmm. privilege to be with the group. And at this point, someone has said, you're at Wilderness. Yeah, Same you're man. here. This is and here they also took me to a doctor during this time, at which point I refused to, like, get out of the car. They bent my wrists. They restrained me. Um, and your parents have signed over your they, their rights to them? Or basically. How does that work? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what they did. And they also monitor all the communication between you and your family at the time. Like, we were only allowed to write letters. And so... So those first few days, you're alone in a tent? Or what's your situation? Well, there's no tents. Let's, yeah. let's get this straight. There's yeah, a tarps. Yeah, please paint the picture. There's tarps. You build... You pitch your own tent out of tarps. And you sleep in a sleeping bag. And you have, like, no privileges. They take your shoes away at night so you don't run. Do they give you the skills to pitch your tarp or to be yeah, a wilderness I mean, person? They're not like, you know... I, this program in particular was a light program, let's call it, but... I, you know, some people are neat. I, I, I can't do this stuff. I'm not meant for that. So mm -hmm. I, my tent was always sloppy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, do you remember those first few days where you were just alone? Well, I wasn't. So they actually give you the staff food, which is better for the first few days. But you're not allowed to, like, talk to anyone in the group or anything yet. So you're not allowed communication with anybody sort of your age. And... Um, they isolate you and they give you like a book. I don't know what book they gave me. And they let you like journal and then you have to like say your story and like write down whatever it is they want to hear so that you can like enter the group of like why you're there and what brought you there. And I was in the trauma group because the kids weren't like on heavy, heavy drugs in the group I was in. But like some had like, you know, sexual histories or, you know, they were just like oppositional or whatever. What did you say as to why you were there? Yeah, I don't remember, honestly. Because that's been confusing. Because I, I, just, I just didn't care. Well, I just said whatever they wanted to hear. Yeah. I'm really, like, I can do that, you know? It's probably why I don't care what people think anymore. I don't see it as a completely negative experience. Are you still friends with anyone from it? I was friends with one of the girls um, for a while until that summer, but um, she lives in Hong Kong now. And we're out of touch. I mean, this is a long time ago. I'm sure if yeah. I reached out to her, she would see me if I was in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's just like a shared trauma, shared experience. 
but we're in such different places now. Like, I have a life. Like, I, I'm not interested in just, like, going back there. Have you watched Yellow Jackets? Have you heard of this show? I have heard of this show. You should watch it. Or The Wilds. Maybe don't watch it, actually. But it was actually TV that awakened you. So what happened was, so what awakened me to, like, the fact that, like, there is still something left there to some extent was this Paris Hilton documentary came on. We're watching it. We're watching it. We're watching some of the dysfunction and everything. And then she starts coming out about having gone to this place in uh, Provo, Utah. And I start, like, having a visceral reaction to it and getting really angry at my friends and just having, like, sort of uncontrolled emotions which isn't really my speed, but, you know, when you don't think about something for so long and it goes unresolved, let's just say, because there's no resolution to large trauma like this. I don't think it ever really gets better. You just understand the world better from it. And it just created some sort of visceral reaction and I got really upset and, like, I wanted to finish watching it but then turn it off but then turn it on and, like, Mm. it was a really strange experience And I was with two of my really good friends and they could not figure out what was going on. And I was trying to explain to them, but it was hard to watch it without talking about what had been happening to me and like, what are things that they do and things that they don't do. But they actually do things like sit you in front of a wall or like isolate you from a group or like make you write these letters and do things to try to break you. And I I would like to also note that my experience was very short. It was six weeks. My Mm. parents got smart fast. Well, yeah, the... To the the people that I know who have gone, it's that it hasn't been like a end date. It's been pretty random. Like one day, the friend will just leave. Right. So nobody knew where I went. Knew mm-hmm. where I went. Out of all of my friends, nobody knew where I was. That's for sure. But I mean, at wilderness, when it's your time to go, it wasn't like it's graduation day. It was like, oh, my graduation day was really interesting because what happened was they moved me to this like sort of like group where you're mixed in with the people from all the other groups, mm-hmm. and everyone's about to graduate, and then they pull me from it because. I wasn't positive about my experience or saying the right things. Mm -hmm. And my parents were behind the scenes really pushing to get me out. They didn't want me there anymore. They were coming and they were going to see me no matter what. They didn't trust them anymore. Good for them. This is what I'm saying. My parents, I gave them a good run for their money. This is not their fault. And this is not an indictment of them. This is the fault of, you know, the the regulators in the United States for not checking these programs. This is a failure for a 16-year-old to have a basic right to their body. Were you you in an all-women's group? I was in an all-women's group. Is that how they do it? They separate you by sex, yeah. So this final... Or by identifiable gender. I don't know how it goes now. Yeah, now I wonder how they do it. But um, let's go back to the middle. I'm sure they have programs that are correcting people's genders too, which is totally like... Yeah, uh, that's a whole other fucked up ballgame. Yeah, I can't even get into that. Like, you know. The, but you got brought into your group. How many girls were in your group? Seven. I mean, it varied. I think it went anywhere from seven to 12 at any given time. Do you bond quickly? Or is there hazing? Or do they not like you? No. Um, I was really different from everyone there. I became friends with this one girl. Um, she was from Hong Kong. We became fast friends. And there were a couple of other girls I became friends with. One was from the South. She was from a um, one of these, like, super country clubby families. Um, like, had a coming out and the whole nine oh, yards. Oh, wow. Um, many years later, she was there for sexual deviancy. Many years later, she realized she was gay. 
What's sexual deviancy? Like, she had slept with over 50 men by the age of 16. Wow, and so her parents sent her to wilderness. Right. Um, And then she turns out to be gay. Interesting. I don't know how many people she's out to. You know, we're we're not really in touch anymore. Um, What What was the rest of your group? There were a couple of kids who, this is another aspect that's predatory, who were not from financially, um, not impoverished, but I would say, you know, from families that couldn't afford to do this. And they would, people would take out second mortgages on their house to do this. Like, the extent of how predatory this industry is. Can you um, explain when you're using the word predatory? Because when I hear predator, I think of like sexual predator. What do you mean by predatory? Predatory is like, we'll get you out of credit card debt and then giving you like a high interest rate loan. Manipulation. Right. There's predatory lending. Got there's it. Predatory, there's predatory. There's all sorts of predatory, you know. Yeah, I was just trying to find another word for me to understand better. Um, there's no other word for this. It's it's finding somebody who can be victimized and taking advantage, and of, taking them. advantage of them it. because you know that they're in a weak state. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, as much as, you know, I also believe that it's predatory that we let, you know, 17-year-olds take out, you know, loans for and dollars to go to school, but we don't let them buy a house where they could potentially live forever <laughs> to get an education that won't serve them. This actually serves to put them in a position where they won't be able to get an education. Because if you go to the schools afterwards, these residential treatment Center mm-hmm. high school. Yeah, the oh, middle they call them they call them transitional educational. Um, they 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 call them something educational, mm-hmm. like Newport Academy. You heard of that one? I, I don't know that one. I know there's one in Connecticut. They're, they're all over the place. Yeah. They're, they're really scattered all over the place. The one they had picked for me was in Canada, actually. Oh, they're very expensive, and they don't lead to college. So I find that also disturbing because you're taking a kid who's already in a bad situation who's already acting out in some sort of way, and then you're also destroying their academic record. It's not like this is meant to get you into college, even if it was a local school where you'd be living in a halfway house so that you would move forward in life. And you They're know, not setting you up for success. They're not setting you up for success. They're setting you up to spend more money on treatment. More educational treatment facilities and equine therapy and whatever else they believe in. So walk me through a day in the life during um, those six weeks. You don't know what time you're waking up. You don't know what time of day it is. You don't know if you're staying in the same place or if you're packing up your stuff and moving. If you're packing up and moving, you have to pack up your tent and do everything in seven minutes. Who did, so a counselor comes in or whatever? What they, they like ring a bell a certain way and okay. you know based on this how, you know, uh, if you have to pack up your stuff or you don't have to pack up your stuff. If you don't have to pack up your stuff, I think you get three minutes or and if you have to pack up your stuff, you get seven minutes. And if people don't get there on time, the whole group gets punished with, let's say, something like eating cold beans and rice. And when I say cold, dehydrated beans and rice, I mean this food is crunchy. This is not edible. It makes you physically ill. And it's not like you have a bathroom to go in either when you're ill. What's the bathroom situation? Everyone's just shitting in the woods? No, actually, it's worse than that. You're shitting in a shared hole, which is a complete hygiene problem. Actually, one of the things that I used to bargain for all the time, a privilege that I would get, would be like I would ask to have extra time to bathe 
so, because I hate, I shower multiple times a day. Like mm-hmm. I don't necessarily wash my hair or anything, mm-hmm. but I like to be clean. Yeah. I, I don't like to feel sweaty or gross. And so you're really only supposed to be able to get a shower like once a week. And it's a real shower. Oh, no, it's not a real shower. <laughs> this is, Sorry, this that was is incredibly like, ignorant of me to think. This is like, you know. What's the shower? Like, like I don't know. You get some, like, I don't remember exactly how it functioned, but you get some, like, tools where you can take the water out of the river and, like, you get some Dr. Bronner's. And it's freezing water. Or were yeah. you there in the summer? I was there in the summer, but the water's okay. still cold. You don't want to be cold. You're still in the woods. It's not, Jesus. like, warm. Well, that was your luxury, was getting multiple of those. I mean, I you know, everyone would try to get but anytime I would get an opportunity to wash myself like some people weren't so into it mm-hmm. I was I'm a little bit neurotic about that in general like I wash my clothes a lot so I would um try to shower as frequently as possible and some of the counselors didn't understand why I was so obsessed with it but you know I think it's perfectly reasonable to want to shower every day yeah especially shower used so loosely here I, I, I wash yourself yes have the opportunity to you know engage in cleanse hygiene yes Hygiene is important. So they either say you have three months or seven minutes. Um, And what do you, then what do you do? You You have the whole day ahead of you. You you roll up your tarp, you hike for an unspecified period of time. You don't know when you're stopping. You could start, well, first you have your meal and then you start hiking. You don't know where you're hiking to and you don't know how long you're hiking for. So you could literally be hiking for like five or six hours and not even know that you've been hiking for five or six hours because you don't know what time of day it is. All you know is like the sun you see in the sky. You're also not allowed um, mirrors. This is a really big thing. So like I figured out how to like, you know, put certain things behind my glasses so I could see my face. Mm. What's you, that about? No mirrors. They, they, they Stripping yourself. Controlling you. Mm. It's just the sense of control. They want to control you. Did you guys ever band together and be like, we're going to make a run for it? I have notes with the... A couple of people that you know where we we used to pass notes like they you know if you've ever seen in prison they I believe they call it kiting mm-hmm. we used to pass notes to each other but you could never speak about this stuff in public that you guys they, they, they actually banned conversations between me and this girl where we weren't allowed to talk about fashion or food or just certain things because it was too exclusive they didn't want us becoming too close. Or... But at night, wasn't it just you guys or was a counselor sleeping out there with you? Oh, there were two counselors sleeping out there with us the whole time. They would switch out every week, the counselors, and they would take your shoes away. So you couldn't go from tent to tent. That's not. Got it. You had to be a certain distance from each other. Okay. And there would be a tarp above you and then like a tarp underneath you. So like if it rained, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't get wet necessarily. But you would also hike in the rain. So you had rain anywhere. gear yeah. for when you would hike in the rain. And if you had been there for a long time, your rain gear actually stopped working. It was no longer waterproof. So there were kids hiking there, you know, 12 weeks in, soaked, soaking wet. Did anyone pass out or have a medical issue along these, like, five-hour hikes? Because if, you if you're not ready for a five-hour hike and you just start doing No, that, they get you in shape. You, you, you get in shape fast. Wow. Um, although one time I did fake appendicitis. Because I know I knew all the symptoms, and they would not give me any help at all. So I knew that I would, I would be, you know. If you had actually had appendicitis, you'd be fucked. Right, because that's like an acute sort of thing that comes on. Yeah. And I realized, like, okay, so this is the thing I should go for. Get you to a hospital. Try to get to a hospital, try to get out. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. That's unreal. Um, 
And if I had been there a little bit longer, I probably would have made a run for it. Did I, anyone make a run for it while you were there? No, but they do have helicopters and stuff. They search and bring you back. But I would have like done it at a time where we were near other people and just asked for help. Oh, yeah. Do because you, we were in a national park. Oh. So you would see other people occasionally. So that would be the time to make a run for it because you also need a way out. You're deep into a place where you don't know where you are. You don't have shoes. You would have to like figure out a way to like get something on your feet, like triple sock yourself or something. It had to be dry at the time. And had you had a lot of nature experience before this? No. You because you grew up in New York. Yeah, no nature experience. Yeah. Did you have to learn to start a fire? Isn't that like a big part of it? I mean, there is bow drilling, but a lot of women are not strong enough to bow drill. I mean, that may be a controversial thing to say, but apparently in the boys' groups, everybody was able to learn how to bow drill, but I wasn't strong enough to do it. Um, and I'm not a weak person. Like, I have been nicknamed things by my friends because I have, like, a lot of brute strength, and I could not. But I was also unmotivated. Like, there were other people that would progress and get to these different levels that they would call them by, like, reading certain books or doing certain things to gain privileges. And then, but I just stopped and was just like, I'm not doing any of this. Did they, they gave reprimand me, you? No, it was just if you wanted privileges. So mm -hmm. I just stagnated. I, I think it was the first level to get up was you had to read Victor. Well, the first thing to get out of was the isolation. So I did do that part. Mm -hmm. But then to get to the next thing, you had to read Victor Frankl's like um, Man's Search for Meaning. And I'm just like, are you shitting me? I had family in the Holocaust. You're going to have me read this and expect me to relate your abuse? Like, are you the Nazis here? <laughs> like, it was just so, it was such, I, so I just put it down and. So you didn't read it? No. What, what was like the biggest privilege or level you could get to? What was um, the goal? You could get to something called air level where you got this thing that you slept on that was like this thin air. They're actually pretty comfortable. You can camp on them. Oh, so someone was, like, living in... I mean... Was anyone in your group at that level? Yeah, there were people. You had to be there for a while. Still not worth it. Yeah. I wouldn't do it to suck up to someone. So you do a five-hour hike. Or longer or, or longer. shorter. Um, and you hope to earn the privilege of hot food. Like, if your group is bad or doesn't pack on time. Like, that was one of the big standout things was... Um, that they would have you eating cold, dehydrated beans and rice, which is, you know, if you're a dog, if a dog eats rice, for example, and the rice expands in their stomach, it could kill them. Mm -hmm. So we would have to like hydrate them in cold water. And if we didn't earn the privilege to heat our food. And it's like crunchy. It's not like, yeah, crunchy rice is horrible. Like uh, rice that's not cooked. Rice and beans that are not cooked. And, and I, I'd also like to say this as like a woman, you know, I was there for six weeks, and I think I was in the hospital for a week prior. It was seven weeks. I was 16 years old, and I did not get my period once. Whoa. Yeah, that was my next question. I did not get my period once, and I had also put on weight. I put on 15 pounds, so it wasn't for losing weight or anything. But other people were getting their periods. There were other people getting their periods. I did not. But nobody's, no, nobody's came on time. That was for shit sure. Did they provide them supplies? They, they did provide supplies. For that, I mean. Otherwise, they 
being a national. But you park. only, but you didn't get enough laundry. That was for sure. And like I said, I, yeah, you know, like thing. you had to switch your underwear, like a lot, of, you know, one side to the mm-hmm. other side, stuff like that. You didn't get fresh laundry often. Um, the food they gave you was terrible, so everyone was putting on weight because it was like, you know, even though you were hiking so much, right? Because it was just like peanut butter and like no vegetables or fruits like you got a couple of fruits and vegetables every week but really the bare minimum for what you know nutrition would be by today's standards and then at the end of the day it's called Appalachia nutrition okay if you kept eating like that you'd look like you were from there like the woman who picked you up basically I mean it was really you know, but the counselors got to eat whatever they wanted you know they had better food did you like your counselors what was that vibe no I didn't like them like they weren't trying to bond with you guys they no they were oh they wanted to be friends friendly well everybody wants to think they're doing the right thing and they have a justification to themselves it doesn't mean that you're doing the right thing um I forgot an attorney once told me this by the time a bank robber is done robbing a bank they think that they're doing a service to the society You know, people don't want to believe they're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. So these people really thought they were helping in their own sick heads, but they I were just... I just can't imagine when they tell you, like, you know what, you guys were bad today, you're getting dehydrated food. Not bad. Like, because you didn't, you know, meet X mark, mm. then, you know, and it was as a group, too. Was there fights that would break out? No. But they would also, another big thing that they would do is, like, have us, like, separate pretty far out from each other for, like, a few hours at a time where we would have to spend time journaling or reading or this or that. What, so was there drama between the girls or was it really you guys versus the system you were in? Um, there were more compliant girls and less compliant girls. I would say that's for sure. But nobody, you know, and they knew who was who. Yeah. I would just think that if one person brought down the ability to have warm food, everyone would have been pissed off. No, because nobody wanted to do that to anybody else or themselves. So it's not like, you know, like if somebody tripped while they were packing up their tent or whatever, then you're not going to blame them for it. You know, you're going to blame the people that said you can't have it arbitrarily. They have matches. Yeah. And what would happen at night? You'd set up the tents. Well, we'd set up the tents. You'd be in a place sometimes... For three, four days at a time. Hmm. Just randomly in the park. Just randomly. Just total random spots. You never, like, went into a town. They never, like, brought you back into any sort of civilization. Like Only the one time for a medical check in the very beginning before I entered the group. And what was the therapy component of this? The therapy component was just you would meet with, I forgot her name. Her name was Kathy. Um, this woman, Kathy, who thought she was doing God's work, probably. And um, you'd meet with a therapist only once a week for 45 minutes or an hour. It's kind of a joke when you think about, you know, if somebody's yeah. in such a bad condition that they'd need to be in wilderness therapy, then you would think they would need to speak to a qualified um, social worker or psychologist more than once a week. Mm. But apparently not. You're supposed to speak to, you know, the people, in, like the counselors or whatever. And, and you're supposed to trust these people, too. Would she relay information to your parents? She would come with the letters, and sometimes, you know, there'd be, like, the food drop-off. Sometimes that would all happen, like, on the same day. Would they ever not, like, were, were the letters manipulated at all? Like, were you sending letters being like, I mean, the fuck out of here? You couldn't write that. Okay. So they were watching the letters you were 
Yes, everything was read back and forth. There was no... My parents were actually waiting for me to write something in Hebrew because they figured if something was really bad, I would write to them in Hebrew, but I didn't even think of it at the time because I wasn't really expecting anything. Um, But I think we should go back to the graduation because that's a really interesting thing that happened because most people had been there, you know, and... I think, you know, 90% of the people are in, influenceable, let's call it. And I think that's why I became friends with this girl from, this Chinese girl from Hong Kong, because she wasn't easily influenced. But um, because I was so non-compliant, they said I was ruining other people's graduation, so they brought me back to the group. But I also couldn't talk to anybody else about, like, all the, like, weird ceremonies that were going on. Or what? You wouldn't get fed? You Like, what's the... No, they here? just, like, kept me isolated. Oh, okay. Physically. And then my parents fun. came, and they had, like, a private thing with this Kathy woman, and they said, you know, this is against medical advice. And my parents were just like, we're taking her. Like, we really don't care. And I was really angry with them at the time, obviously, and wanted to go to the school that they would have sent me to, because I didn't want to go back home with them. But they, you know, got smart, and, my, you know, I got home. I applied early to Decision 10 while you know, I got in, and that was the end of it. Oh, you got home. So you went in July? I went, I went, it must have been in maybe, it was six weeks. So it must have been all of, and I think I came back in early August. I came back in time for school. Okay. I must have been, it must have been a June, July. What did you tell people of where you were? What were they? I told them where I was. At that time, it wasn't something that was part of the vernacular. So nobody had a concept of what it was. So, you know, people were scared. They didn't know what happened to me. I disappeared, obviously. What was your readjustment like? I mean, to go from the middle of nowhere to New York City is the most extreme. I didn't have a readjustment. It just happened. You just go back to the way you were. I mean, I wasn't really, like I said, I wasn't really influenced by anything. I just learned that you other people like can nature be. nature now. Like, the nature isn't beautiful when you're forced to be there. Hmm. That's another thing you learn. It's not where you are. It's who you're with. You could be in the worst place, but you could be with somebody who you love and trust. And I don't mean worst danger. I'm saying, like, you could be in a... Motel 6 on the side of a highway. Right. And if you're happy with who you're with, then you're having a great time. Yeah. And you could be at a Four Seasons with somebody you don't like. And have the worst time. And have... Exactly. Yeah. I just, have that. Just be, like, itching to get out of there and just go home to your regular apartment, even if it's dirty. Like... Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those scenarios because the Blue Ridge Mountains are really a beautiful place, but I had no appreciation of it when I was there. Have you gone back? I have not gone back. I have no reason to go back. Just like I had no reason to be there. Hmm. Do you know if this program is still going? Your specific one? I believe it is. Wow. Um, I could look it up. If you give me one second, yeah, let's go. look it up. I just think it's important to note that this program is not the only one. Oh, I know. There are thousands of them. There are hundreds of them. And they also will be sued and put into bankruptcy, and they'll open up with the same five people under a new name. That's a big thing that they'll do. I wonder why it's so expensive if the cost of your life there is so Probably their insurance. Okay, so they have one in Utah. Uh Second nature. Wilderness family therapy. They have a couple PhDs, a couple psychologists. But these people are also crazy. Like they think that they're doing something good. You, it, when you take people's rights away from them, there's no justification. Like when you put people into jail, there's no justification for that. Yeah. 
unless you're really trying to rehabilitate them. I mean, there's no jail in the United States. Let's just put it that way, mm -hmm. that there's any justification for. Yeah, I saw like a TikTok that like in Norway or Sweden, they kind of have a good situation. Right, so like that, I understand. That you're trying to help people get better mm -hmm. and trying to make sure that the people in society stay safe. Where is your head now when it comes to therapy? I believe therapy is a beautiful thing. And treatment, like you do think that there are good places. I don't mean wilderness. I don't want to put words in your mouth though, and I want to understand where you. I don't know if I believe in residential treatment just on a fundamental level. Mm -hmm. I believe in a vacation, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. but it seems just like a crutch to me. I think that therapy is something that people have to want to do themselves. Yeah. If somebody doesn't want to change themselves, there's nothing that an outsider can do that can influence them. Something has to happen to cause someone to wake up and say, hey, I want to change my life. I don't like the way this is going. But I do also believe that people can change if they want to. Yeah. And I don't think that where they come from matters. In, in oh, I, I agree with everything like. you're saying right now. But, but they have to want to. Therapy has to be a choice. Yes. You cannot force someone. And you weren't given the choice at this time in your life. And this wasn't therapy. Yeah. That's, make that very clear. This was not therapy. This is not therapy. Whatever her name was. I could probably find it. I know. I don't want to, like, trigger you, though, looking at No, I'm not right triggered. Now. Kathy Donovan. Is she still there? This was the woman. This is, here, these are posts from them. Kathy Donovan is a gifted therapist at our Blue Ridge location, working with young adults that have complicated clinical histories. She states, these resilient survivors are a privilege to work with, and my job is to impart skills for my clients to become their own best therapist for life, an approach that inspires trust, confidence, and courage in them. I have a knack for clarity in helping young adults quickly make sense of complicated clinical pasts. What do you remember the sessions like with her? Was it that? No, I don't remember <laughs> anything because I just didn't want to deal with it at the time. So she's still there. Yeah, and there's comments here. I've got a friend that's worked for them for over 10 years. He's one of the guides that takes the kids out. It takes a special person to work there. God bless anyone who works with our children. Amain, Sean Roberts is a special therapist in your Entrada program. Sounds pretty awesome to me. What would your review be? Something like this. Somebody writes, appalling that any parent agrees with abandoning their child to the national farm forest in inclement weather with food deprivation, inadequate bathing and shelter, trapped in trees, hiking in plastic crocs for punishment, being chased by dogs and more. All you need is a pocketbook to find the director's multi-million dollar home in, I don't know, some town Swahili. Bet his little girls aren't there. I hope every parent and employee gets sued. Many children have died in abusive conditions like these. Any parent who abandons their child to one of these places is screwed up in the head. I, I, they make it seem like they're doing something that they're not. And there's a lot of people that believe in it. And that's, that's another issue, I think, that causes people to end up there is a lack of... We're, we're living in a time now, and I think it was just starting then, where people are not critically thinking about situations. They're not critically thinking about situations for themselves, for their children, about schools, about education. This is my second master's program. I can, and I you know, went to NYU. I can tell you that critical thinking is not valued in our culture. So that's also a huge component of what's going on here is a professional tells you something and you believe them. Yeah. Like I was saying, my husband's a lawyer, and he was saying, oh, I should believe this doctor. I said, do you believe every lawyer you listen to? 
And he was like, oh my gosh, if I think about doctors the way I thought about lawyers, yeah. then I'd never believe anything. Mm. And so we think that we can professionalize these things. And I think critical thinking is imperative, especially today. With all of the options out there and all of the fake news or, you know, sort of like gaslighting that exists around everything and how impossible it is to get sort of like a mainstream media view mm -hmm. of any situation, believe your eyes. Think critically. Because that's what the parents weren't doing. And that's what my parents did. And that's why I got home. And that's why I went to college. And that's why I have a life. What do you think should have happened to you when you were 16? Nothing. I mean, I, I, is it my junior year? I probably would have applied to the same school. It didn't change the course of my life in yeah. any major way. That's the, that's the thing about your story. I was, there was I, no big event. It was just... No, I did leave my house. I did run away. No, I get that. But it's not like you were overdosing somewhere or drinking yourself to blackout every night. It I did blackout. I did have a blackout when I was 14 years old. Okay. Um, I completely blacked out and I went to a club with my friends. Apparently I, I don't remember any of this. I fell and hit my head. I came home with one shoe and my friend got molested by the cab driver. So there, there, there yeah. were incidents. Okay. That's good to clarify. But, but that, nothing that would. I mean, that's scary. You're a parent, your kid's blacking out. They're 14 years of old. Course. They come home with one shoe. Yeah. Where's the other shoe? Dropped somewhere. Yeah. Gotta go find the shoe. But, I, you know, I think that love is the answer. It seems really stupid, but love and acceptance are the answer. Well, I think that's a beautiful place to end it. Um, thank you so much for telling the story, Nancy. Sure. Thanks for being here. Of course. Any, that's, you and know. fuck you, Kathy. And, oh, it's not her. She's just an employee. She's just another, you know what? See, I feel bad for these people, most of all. But, like, you don't have an urge in yourself to reach out there and be like, listen, I graduated from this program 15 years ago, and this is how. You want to know how it affected me 15 years later? This is it. I mean, I still have, like, you know, trauma from it. Like, I still get flashbacks. But, I'll, like, as you get older, life gets harder. Like, that's not the worst thing that's happened in my life. Not at this point. You know, at 16, maybe. Yeah. You know, for a euphoria, it's a big deal in yeah. that world. So. But the counselors themselves weren't in a traditional sense abusing you in terms of like yelling, bringing you down. Do you know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. No, there were um, religious aspects that I didn't get involved with. They would do these like ceremonies mm. when people would um, get more privileges. They would do these like strange ceremonies. I barely remember them where they'd like have you like lay out sticks and these random things or like there'd be like a talking stick or, you know, different sorts of like group therapies that they like arranged in these like sort of like semi-religious uh, under the guise of, you know, some sort of. So there was religious, religious manipulation. Manipulation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That type of thing. Um and I think what was interesting for me also was being Jewish. I was the only Jew there. So I knew I was different off the bat. So I didn't identify with a lot of the stuff that... Well, I'm sure it was your Asian friend the, the No, so I think that might have also been yeah. why we got along because, you know... Your friend from Hong Kong. Was not from a religious background. Like, a lot of these people had a lot of Christian values, mm -hmm. which are different breed but these aren't even just christian values these are like 
Like when you meet somebody that's sincerely religious and fears God and like loves humans, they accept people as they are. Yeah. I, I don't want to confuse, I'm not anti, but these people were like the evil religious people. Hmm. And there were counselors that were really mean and would say nasty things to you. I don't even remember what they are because I just didn't care. Yeah. Because I realized they were crazy for being there in the first place. I mean, they were living in the woods with us. Hmm. Like, what were they doing? I don't know. I, I wonder about that too. You yeah. know, these are these. Well, were, I would love to interview a counselor of one of these places. These these were like 25, 26 year old kids who definitely were not equipped to deal with yeah. you know sixteen year olds. I mean, nobody's equipped to deal with a sixteen year old. But what's their training? What's their qualification? Nothing for this. No qualifications. Scary. It's it's scary and it's stupid. Like they probably had CPR training. Yeah. But you know, some were nicer than others. But like even now, looking back on it, like. It's just good cop, bad cop. It doesn't mean that they're not all on the same agenda. I did know that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, but there were people that got closer to them and thought that they were going to grow and open up and stuff. And I can tell you, none of those people made it very far. You were saying you were the only person who went to college in your group? Or? Aside from this other girl that I mm-hmm. know that actually completed college. Yeah, do you ever look up some of the other people? And see I have looked now? them up. Most of them have children by now. Mm-hmm. Um, in different forms of relationships. Got it. But they're really, things aren't normal. I don't know how to, like very twisted. Yeah. I, I, I assume they came from more twisted backgrounds and just went to more twisted places and stopped making choices for themselves yeah. at some point because, you know, community college is available to everyone. Mm-hmm. Tra- trade school is available to people. You can change your life. But... People don't do that. And then they also get into relationships young. They get knocked up. Like, it pigeonholes you, you know? If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and follow the podcast wherever it is you listen to it so that we can bring you more unexpected stories by ordinary people. And if you didn't like the episode, forget what I just said and just please don't tell anyone.